And we're back on the podcast talking about many more in 24. So glad to be back with you, Pastor Phil. How's it going? Keith, I am loving this weather, man. This is the most beautiful day of 2024 yet. I know. It is beautiful. Sun is shining. It feels a little bit of a warmth in the air, but not too hot. Uh, But I did see that uh, they're referring to it as false spring, warning us not to get our hopes up. But uh, I don't know about you. I'm ready for some warmer weather. I'll take it as I can get it, man. I just really don't want weather in the teens anymore. That's right. But you know how it is in Arkansas. Just wait around and it'll change. So That's we right. Will, we will see. Hey, uh, exciting weekend. Um, and uh, it looks like we've got our Super Bowl matchup. What are your early predictions, uh, the Chiefs and the Niners? I couldn't care less at this point, man, for real. I'm like not eager about the Super Bowl at all. So uh, that said... We're going to get together as a life group, have a Super Bowl party, and uh, enjoy some treats and some fellowship. But in terms of the game itself, I seriously couldn't care less, man. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm the same way. Uh, if for no other reason, great opportunity to get together and uh, eat some chicken wings. So, That's right. Uh, you can't, can't beat that. Well, hey, let's uh, jump right into um, wrapping up our series on Many More in 24, a uh, recent message talking about the answer to our own prayer. So great message from Sunday, and uh, excited about the follow-up questions here. So to kick it off, you know, you were talking about the fact that Jesus told his disciples to pray that God would send laborers into the harvest, but you said that sometimes we are the answer to our own prayers. What did you mean by that? Well, first of all, that's a biblical principle because, as I said on Sunday morning, uh, Matthew chapter 9 is followed by Matthew chapter 10. Uh, And so at the end of Matthew chapter 9, Jesus says, pray that God would send laborers out into the harvest. And then Matthew chapter 10 is the famous passage where Jesus sends his disciples out. Uh, It's a huge kind of crossroads in the gospel of Matthew in particular. Uh, But the bottom line is that they prayed that God would send some people out to the harvest, and then Jesus sent them out, right? So uh, it kind of reminds me of the old saying, God provides food for the birds, but he doesn't throw it in the nest. Uh, but, But think about it. What if I'm sitting around and uh, you know I'm sitting on my couch at the house and my stomach is rumbling? And I say, God, I pray you'd provide for me s- some food. Well, guess what? I- I'm going to be the answer to my own prayer because I get up and I walk to the kitchen and I get something to eat. I know that sounds kind of ridiculous. It's almost absurd. It's so simple. But the fact is that in many cases, when we pray for something to happen, we may very well be, and this is not just in terms of witnessing and more disciples, we may very well be the answer to our own prayers, and God has already equipped us and given us everything we need in order to be the answer to our own prayers. And that's definitely true uh, when it comes to sharing Jesus with people, because again, we may have a burden for somebody, uh, maybe a particular person in our in our family or what have you, and, and we pray and say, God, please send someone to share Jesus Christ with them or, or to somehow engage with them on the spiritual level, and God says, you go and do it. God, God, you know, God put that person on that person's heart. That person can go and talk to them. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point, and it's interesting that you know Jesus told his disciples to pray that God would send laborers into the harvest. So we see that it it should be a priority even in our prayers um, that we should even be concerned with the harvest or the fact that laborers are needed. Um, so evangelism should be important according to Jesus, obviously in multiple passages. But that begs the question, Phil, is personal evangelism really that important for every individual believer, or is it just um, clergy or full-time ministry, or 
aren't there some people who are just more gifted at evangelism than others? Well, that's a great question, Keith, and it's very a practical question because we hear that a lot. Uh, so on the one hand, I do believe that some people are more, quote-unquote, gifted uh, at sharing Jesus. You know, my, uh, my pastor who led me to the Lord was, was a very gifted personal evangelist. Uh, but here's here's the thing, and, and, and you know, as we focus on the word gifted, sometimes pe- people will even use that word to say, well, well you know, being a witness and, and evangelism is not my gift. Uh, it's not my gift. Okay, a couple things to say on that, man. First of all, the only time we ever see, you know, evangelist as something that's listed in the New Testament is in terms of a, of a function or an office. Uh, Ephesians 4.11, he gave prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. Some, some people uh, combine pastor-teacher together. So I don't believe that, that personal evangelism is a spiritual gift because it's certainly not listed among the, the lists of spiritual gifts. Now, that said, anytime we start talking about spiritual gifts, I always want to remind people that the main gift is the Holy Spirit. Uh, Henry Blackaby and the Blackaby family makes a big deal about this in their book about the Holy Spirit. In fact, they even they even kind of, uh, to some degree, minimize these spiritual gifts inventories, right? Because some people will fill out a spiritual gifts inventory and they'll say, well, this is my spiritual gift or this is my spiritual gift based on this inventory. The Blackabees point out that if most people before they got saved took a spiritual gifts inventory, their answers would pretty much be the exact same thing either before they got saved or after they got saved. Their point, it, well, two points. One is that the Holy Spirit is the gift. Ultimately, the, the, the gifting that we receive in order to, to carry out the work that Jesus has given us, or even for that matter, simply to be a disciple, growing follower of Jesus, lives and loves like Jesus, leads others to follow him, all of that is empowered by the Holy Spirit. The other, the other reason, and I totally agree with this, the other reason why they tend to kind of minimize the spiritual gifts inventories is because as soon as you as soon as you equip people to be able to say this is my gift and they put their finger on one particular gift what you're doing is you're giving them license to say all these other things are not my gifting how many times have we heard somebody say yeah i don't i, I don't serve in children's ministry cuz that's not my gift sorry wrong answer you have the holy spirit inside of you the holy spirit's going to be serving down there not you anyway right so and, and that goes for almost anything uh, so I, I'm not real big on saying that there is a gift of personal evangelism. The Holy Spirit, Jesus said, you will receive power and you will be my witnesses when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. What more do we need than that? So that's that's kind of my answer to to the idea that, well, that's not really for me. Or, you know, they, so many Christians try to do the, the, Jedi, the Jedi mind trick. You know, this is not my spiritual gift. Oh, this is not your spiritual gift. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point and uh, and pretty convicting. And you know, thinking about that, the Holy Spirit is the gift. Um, very, very great point there. And I would say that that is true. Thinking about my own life, there are certainly some things that I would say that are kind of natural aptitudes that seem to just be things that I, I just tend to be good at. But then there are other areas that I'm not necessarily good at or gifted at that I've seen the Holy Spirit work in, yes. in spite of that. Um, and so I think the point is being led by the Spirit, uh, to your point. Well, for, for example, I mean, there's some people who are just really good at selling things. You know, I think of a few guys in our church who are car salesmen, and they're like constantly salesmen of the month. Sales, clearly, those guys have, have an ability to sell stuff. They could sell ice cubes to the Eskimos, as they say, right? But the fact is, those people, we may look at them and say, oh, well, of course, you'd be good at sharing Jesus. But the fact is, then who's getting the credit? 
You know, the car salesman who is also effective at sharing Jesus, right? Or, or is he saying, well, it's the Holy Spirit inside of me? Anyway, we could go on and on. Yeah, but definitely important to follow the Spirit's lead there. Well, Phil, what about the concept of lifestyle evangelism? Somebody says, you know, I'm not too big on sharing my faith uh, you know, with words, but can I just live like a Christian and wait for others to notice and they will ask me about my faith? Well, again, this is another one of those frequently asked questions. Uh, and, and what we see in the New Testament is to be a witness is to verbalize what we have seen and what we've heard. In fact, very specifically, I believe it's in Acts chapter 4, where uh, the, the rulers and the leaders are getting on to uh, Peter and others and saying, you shouldn't do this, you shouldn't talk about Jesus. And they say, look, all, we can't help but talk about what we've seen and what we've heard. That's a witness. So you, you can't be a witness unless you're verbalizing what you've seen and what you've heard. Sure, I mean, to live and love like Jesus, we, we, are, we are putting Jesus' life on display as we live and love like Jesus, and we become more like our master. Uh, but the fact is that if we default to our, our lifestyle and how we live our lives and so forth without verbalizing anything, guess what? We're going to end up taking all the credit whether we want to or not because people will see our lives and say, man, that guy's a great man. He's, he's a wonderful citizen of Hot Springs. What a, what a wonderful guy he is, right? Well, where's Jesus in that equation? Nowhere to be found, right? So if we're not pointing people to Jesus, we're automatically pointing people to ourselves, so I just, yes, we should all live godly in Christ Jesus, as the Bible says, but if we're not verbalizing who Jesus is to us and verbalizing how other people can trust Jesus, then we're not really being witnesses. Yeah, and that's a great point. And I would even say that, you know, neglecting to verbalize what Jesus has done in our lives could even set up a... a a gap, right? If somebody's just looking at my life and I look like I have it all together and look like I'm a, like you said, a good guy, then someone who doesn't know Christ could look at me and be like, I could never be like that. That's you know, right. He's got it all figured out. Uh, whereas if I am, if I take the initiative to tell people the difference that Christ has made in me, um, then he gets the glory, uh, like you said. So great, great point. Well, one of the things that you said yesterday that was really convicting is that we should be praying for lost people by name. Uh, you said in whatever circle that is, uh, whether it's D groups or life groups or you know around the kitchen table with our family, we should be praying for lost people. What if somebody hears that and they say, well, Pastor Phil, I don't, I don't really know of any lost people or nobody comes to mind? Well, again, great question. I have uh, I have faced this over the years uh, in in encouraging people to share their faith. Uh, one of the first churches I ever pastored, uh, we had a day uh, where we were going to talk all about what it means to be saved. I mean, the whole the whole sermon was about what it means to be saved. First John five thirteen, among other basic scripture passages, and I encouraged the congregation for two to three weeks. Hey, invite a lost or unchurched friend, neighbor, associate, whatever. We're going to have this wonderful service, and then we're going to have a, just a church little picnic on the grounds after the service. You know, real basic stuff. And, uh, and so the Sunday came, and there was like no guests, no lost people, no nothing in attendance, the same old people. And again, this is a church I was serving as a student, a relatively small church uh, in, a, in a rural setting. But all that to say, I was very discouraged. And the following Sunday after church, we had a leadership team meeting. I don't remember what we called it exactly, but it was, you know, you, it was me as really the only, uh, I guess, pastor 
Then we had uh, some some key volunteers. We had the Sunday school director, this, that, and the other. But the lady who directed Sunday school, you know, I, I, I kind of lamented this this to the leadership team. I said, you know, last Sunday I was discouraged. We had a great time, but I didn't see any lost people in attendance. Well, how come no one brought any lost people? And the Sunday school director looked at me and said, we don't know any lost people, right? So I was like, what? Okay, so here here's the deal. Um, I, I Unless someone is a shut-in, and like they literally don't go anywhere, you know, for fear of catching some illness or what have you, and they, they, they spend all day in their home, they never go anywhere. I'm not buying it, man. You know, now again, the fact is that I, I think when people say, we don't know any lost people, okay, they can't think of any lost people by name for the same reason that a thief can't find a policeman. I don't think they're interested. I mean, it, is the prayer of their heart, God, I know there's lost people out there somewhere. My family, somebody that I know, bring one person to my mind. You know, so if, if we're getting desperate to be witnessing as we should be, then we, we should be praying, God, place somebody on my heart. And I think in most cases, if, if, if people are honest with themselves, it won't take long before God brings somebody to their mind. Yeah, and that's a sobering thought. And if I'm being honest, I, I can fall into that trap sometimes of, you know, it's not that they don't exist or they're not out there. It's just sometimes I'm so focused on myself and my agenda and what I've got going on is I, I fail to see them. And like you said, part of that is I need to be more intentional with asking God to show me uh, those opportunities and the ones around me. So think about this. Yesterday, uh, we were talking about a consciousness. That's one of the indelible marks of ascending church. A consciousness that there are lost people around us. Uh, remember what, what Jesus said in John chapter 4. Look up. The fields are ripe for harvest right now. And then we said even the best of God's people have to be reminded of this. So yes, that's a great confession, Keith. Same with me. And, and we, in many ways, brother, we are, we are more handicapped because we're pastors, and we literally could spend 60 hours a week on this campus keeping the church moving forward, taking care of all the things going on to ensure that nothing falls through the cracks, and never rub shoulders with a lost person all week long. Man, I, that's, that's frightening to me, that, that, that pastors like us could find ourselves so detached from lost people because we're so busy tending to the flock. Yeah, definitely have to be intentional with putting ourselves out there. And I think that's true, um, you know, for most of our listeners as well. Well, Phil, when it comes to evangelism, many people, if they're honest, uh, struggle with fear, uh, fear of rejection or criticism, or maybe just the fact that someone may ask them a question that they don't know the answer to. What can we do to try to overcome that fear? Well, I think of 2 Timothy 1.7. You know, it says, God has not given us a spirit of fear. Uh, mo the King James translation, power, love, and a sound mind. Uh, but, but most of the, the more modern, recent translations is, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Again, to me, it goes back to the Holy Spirit, right? If, if I'm afraid to talk to people, and guess what? I, I have to work up my courage. I remember back in high school, trying to pick up the phone and calling a girl to have a conversation on the phone. I was scared to death, right? I mean, even engaging people now, that's not my default. I would rather just get my food, go sit off in the corner, and enjoy my meal, rather than kind of, you know, 
talking to people or even looking around in a restaurant and seeing a dude with a retired army hat on and going over and talking to the dude. That's all the more reason why I've got to be filled with the Holy Spirit. The, the, the spirit of, of power and love and self-control, that's what the Spirit gives us when we're filled with the Holy Spirit. So, I, you know, again, I would tell people who, they say, man, I'm, I'm afraid to do this. I was like, okay, that's fine. Table this for a minute about the need to go witness to people, and let's talk about how to be filled with the Holy Spirit, right? Because when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, again, Jesus said this. I'm not making this up. Acts 1, verse 8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses. Uh, so I, I would say to anyone who, who hasn't talked to anybody like, like in the last 12 months about their faith or engaged anybody in, in terms of, hey, this is who Jesus is and that type of thing, I, if anything, I would say they're definitely not filled with the Holy Spirit. So let's, okay, fine. We don't need to talk about being a witness just yet. Let's just talk about what it means to be, to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Yeah, and um, speaking of which, you know, great message a few weeks ago about the power to make more disciples, so definitely encourage our listeners to go back and listen to that if, if they haven't yet, uh, but so important um, that we are filled with the Spirit, uh, because that's where we get that boldness. Uh, you mentioned, um, you know, these introverted tendencies. I'm the same way. Um, you know, I, I would have been terrified to pick up the phone and call a girl as well, but not even just to talk about the gospel, just mm-hmm. in general. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, let alone to share the gospel. So um, that's one of those areas where I have to depend on the Holy Spirit uh, to do Amen. Work. Yes, we do. Absolutely. Well, we're about out of time for today, but um, let's, uh, very practical things that we've talked about today, let's talk about what someone can do if they say, okay, Pastor Phil, Pastor Keith, I want to take some steps to be more intentional with making more disciples in 2024. What are some things that we could do? Well, I would say go back and listen to the message from yesterday, uh, just where we, where we closed out with the intentional actions of Ascending Church, uh, because these are so simple, right? And, and n- none of them require a PhD in New Testament theology or even evangelism or anything. They're so simple, whether it's just ask God to give us a soul consciousness, uh, recognizing that every single person we meet is either saved or lost, begin praying for people by name, lost people in particular, uh, incorporating invite cards. I mean, you know, as we said, those invite cards, it should be just as instinctive to pull one of those out of our purse or our wallet as it is to pull out our driver's license or our credit card to make a payment for something, right? It just, it needs to be that kind of rhythm in our life. Uh, we could go on and on, man, but I, I would tell you that every single one of the things that we mentioned yesterday in the message, they work when we do them, right? But, but remember what Noah Garcia said, we are, we are going to be constantly fighting against a culture of assumption and complacency. And when you add those together, you get the spiritual status quo. And that's, that's what we need to destroy. And we ask God to destroy the spiritual status quo at Crossgate Church so that we truly could make uh, more disciples for Christ. Yeah, and I think that's a great point that it is, like you said, uh, Noah Garcia said, this constant fight against this pool. Um, And I think that it's important to remember that this is a daily surrender um, to what the Lord wants to do in our lives, because it's one thing when we hear a message that challenges us, and that's great, and we might get fired up, but over time that, that passion could fade. So each day, asking the Holy Spirit, give me a soul consciousness and a passion for uh, making more disciples, I think is so, so important. Amen. That's right, brother. 
Well, uh, we are out of time for today. And as a matter of fact, I have to go downstairs and refill our invite card rack because Boom. we got cleaned out. Praise so, God. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. Well, Phil, thank you for your time today. Really appreciate it and can't wait to the next one. Thank you, Keith. God bless you, brother. Thank you for listening to the More and Better Disciples podcast, a ministry of Crossgate Church in Hot Springs, Arkansas. To learn more, join us on our website, crossgate.org.